This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. You can go to our, our foundational scriptures in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I just want to set up my portion. So I'm going to be talking about how to uh, stay prepared and avoid distractions. And, um, you know, the title that I have is Avoiding Distractions in Your Career. And what it really is, is it's, it's avoiding distractions in the change. Right. So this, this could apply to your career, it could apply to your schooling. For some of you, you know, you're you're leaving your career and moving on to the next phase. So, you know, it, it's most critical that, that you avoid distractions in the change. I'm going to be talking about presenting a living sacrifice. Just so you know where we're, we're going to be coming from. Presenting a living sacrifice. So how to stay prepared and avoid distractions, avoiding distractions in your career. You know, I really want to edify this, 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 this church. We know that, that, that this is a period where, where things are not the way that they were. Where, where what's coming next is coming next. And, and, and in case you didn't know, next is always coming. The only time when things will stay the same is when you no longer are. And even then, your mortal body will continue to decay. It's your eternal body that will remain the same forever. So next is, next is always coming. And so it's important that, that as, as next comes, that we avoid distractions, especially in our careers and in the changes that come and that we remain focused on what God is doing through us and in us in this season. You know, I want to talk about God's design for living. He has a, a reason for us to be here. He has a, a purpose for us to be here. And I also want to talk about recognizing the, the snare of the fowler as it comes to your career and the opportunities that are presented to you. You know, when, I, when, I, when I'm talking about this subject, this, I, I was so happy that, that I got this particular assignment. You know, it's not that, that, that we have to, uh, you know, fight for the assignments. Usually there, there's, there's consensus on, on who's going to do what. But this, this particular um, uh, topic, it resonates so deeply with me and my salvation story. So as, as many of you know, I, I don't come from this city. I come from, an, from another place, from Cincinnati, Ohio. And, and I came down to Texas to study. And I actually came down to Texas because of my immaturity and, and not, not really understanding, you know, or, or being able to hear from God. But when I got here is when I heard the word of God. When I got here is when I heard the word of God. So after a lifetime of being raised in the church, of going to services, you know, sometimes three, four hours a day. You all struggle with two hours. Look, we would, we would go to church early in the morning. We would stay there through lunch, and we would get back at it in the evening. So we would, we would literally, church was an all-day experience. And guess what? We did it on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I don't know about this, this Wednesday night, you know, softies. We did, it, we did it Sundays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays is when we had rehearsals and practices. And so you would, you would think that, that being in the place all that time, putting all that time in, that, that I would have heard the voice of God. 
But it wasn't until I got here, until I got into this, into this particular state, into this city, that I heard God's voice. And I really and I truly understood the message of salvation. I understood what it what it meant to give my life over to God. And, and it wasn't just a, for me, it wasn't just a trivial thing. For me, it was it was a serious thing. And, and as, as I was going through school and as I was I was as I was doing my studies, we would ask ourselves, you know, questions about, well, if God is speaking to me in this place, where else would I be? You know, let's just make it real and make it practical. I remember that, that, uh, that I was looking after I had uh, graduated of, of where I was going to live. And I had a discussion with someone. I said, well, you know, would you rather live closer to where you work or closer to where you go to church? And I said, well, you know what? I know I'm going to go to work. But the enemy might try to keep me from going to church. So I'm going to try and find a place that's close to my church. You know, I, re I remember people were saying, well, if you go to this city or if you go to that city, you'll have these different experiences because there are these different industries. And I remember asking myself and asking them, I says, well, when I look around this city, what is there here? I mean, what is there someplace else that's not here? You know, let, let's say I wanted to make a movie. Do they not make movies in this city? Let's say I wanted to be in technology, which, you know, I am. Is there not technology in this city? It says, what, what, what if I wanted to, to, to be in a social program at, or, or be in, in, in the artistic programs? Is there not, are there not those things in this city? And if there was something that, 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 that I could think of in my mind that I wanted to do and that I was oriented towards that was not in this city, well, then maybe God put me in this city to bring it here. The net net of it was that I considered my salvation experience so important that I ordered my life around being able to receive the word of God. I knew based on my experience that, that you could go someplace and you could put time in and you could put in hours and days and weeks and you could shout and run but not be changed. And when the word of God changed me, I considered that important enough to order my life around that. I said, if God doesn't stand with me, then I will fall. But if God is with me, it does not matter what position I'm in. I said, I, I would rather throw newspapers and deliver pizzas than move to another city and be an engineer. Because the word of God was near. And the word of God was precious. You know, as, as, as you consider the snare of the fowler, you know, the snare of the fowler, these are the distractions that draw your attention away from the purpose and the plan of God. You know, distractions, they have the biggest impact in a season of change. Have you ever been on a road and you, you've driven that road many times before. You almost think that you know exactly how it's going to go. You can almost drive it unconsciously. But glory to God, we live in a city that's always teaching us. And the road that you drove on all these times, they'll have construction on that road. And they'll put up signs on that road. And now all of a sudden, you have to pay attention. Because the exit that you thought you could take, you can't take that exit anymore. And now, in order to get to where you need to go, you have to travel further and go out of your way and make a detour. See, that, that's, that the snare of the fowler, it's, it's not intended to straight up knock you out for your faith. 
to cause you to, to denounce Christ and walk away. What the snare of the fowler is, is it's designed to cause you to delay. To, to, to knock you off route so that you spend time trying to backtrack and work your way through side streets trying to get back to where God has called you to. You know, that, that's, that's the trick of the enemy because what, what, what he does is he, he has you going through these side streets and these blind alleys and these dead ends so long that finally he wants you to say, well, you know what? I give up. I, I, I'm just going to go back to what I know. I'm just going to go back to what's comfortable for me. And if we're going to talk about God's design for your life, just know that God's design for your life is not for you to be comfortable. God's design for your life is not for you to be comfortable. It's for you to be in his will. To change this world. If God loved this world, he would not have, if God liked the world in this condition, he wouldn't have sent his son to save it. So we are here to be change makers. My wife calls me the iconoclast, which I, I still don't quite know what that means. Something about being disagreeable and critical. But, but I, I, I know that, that I, I, I exist to effect change. If the situation was supposed to be the way it is, then I w- I'm not really needed. So distractions, they have the biggest impact when the situation is changing. You know, we can't allow our minds to wander and miss what God is showing us in this season. And somehow in my, in my memory, and it, it may be true, it may not be true, so forgive me, um, I'm 50 plus. But I seem to remember when this church was moving from I-35 location into this location, that there was an admonition given from the pulpit that the people needed to pay attention to what was happening. Because if they didn't pay attention to what was happening, they were going to come to that old building and nobody was going to be there anymore. And so I encourage you all in this ministry that as we go through this season of change, pay attention to what's happening. Because if you don't pay attention, you're going to come into this place and you're going to think you know what's going on. You're going to think you know what's happening and God would have moved. God would have moved us and changed our direction. And you'll be confused. So let's, 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 let's put some scriptures behind this. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're just going to read, a, um, we're going to read into this. It says that to everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. We love those times when we can dance. But we know that there's times when we're going to have to mourn. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. There's a time to love and there's a time to hate. There's a time of war. There's a time of peace. Go to Psalm 91. And I'm just going to read into this because I just love these scriptures. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High 
shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Listen, I'm going to talk about that word dwell because it goes into everything that I was saying before. He that dwelleth in a secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. And so when we talk about the snare of the fowler, we say it's, it's distractions that are, that are put in place to draw your attention away. Little small things to try and take your, take your mind away from what you need to be doing. You know, a lot of people say um, in, in the corporate world, if you don't have time to do it right the first time, when are you going to find time to do it over again? And so the, 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 the fowler, he tries to, to, act, to get you to take a shortcut to try and figure out, well, how can I make the adjustment and make this fit my situation? How can I tailor it to me? Instead of submitting ourselves under the hand of Almighty God and saying, Lord, you make me into who you need me to be. I love the saying from the artist that, that they ask, you know, how do you create these sculptures from, from, from stone? And, and the artist said that, well, I look at the stone and everything that's, that's, that's not what I want it to be, I chip it away. And so the Lord is, is, is taking everything in us that, that is, not what, is not like him, that does not suit his purpose, does not suit his design, does not suit his plan, and he's chipping it away. That's the work of God in us. So let's talk about God's design for living. Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, it says, I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Amen. And it's not in my notes, but I'll just read it because I just love it. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove that what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's only, it's only when you allow yourself to be changed by the word of God that you can be that acceptable, that you can be that good. That you can be proven. That means that you're tested, that you're battle tested. When we look at this, that it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. One thing that we know is that mercy is extended to those that are deserving of judgment. Mercy is extended to those that are deserving of judgment. Just turn over to Romans chapter 5. And we'll just look at verse 8. It says, But God commended his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the way that we study in this ministry is that, that we've learned that, that when we see this, this commendive, that, that that's a continuous action. 
That's a continuous action. God is continuing to extend his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, in the midst of our sins, that Christ died for us. You know, the love of God is it, through Christ, the eternal Son, who took on flesh and suffering so that we can be reconciled back to God. Look at, look at God's design for living. If God would, 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 would have this for his own son, how much more so would he have for us? That this is an expression of God's continuing love. That his son, that was with him from the beginning, that all things were made by him, and there was nothing that was made that was not made by him. That was, that was ever his delight. That the son was ever his delight. But the son's delight was in men. That he would give himself. I love it. It says that, that, that God, that he commended his love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. That God, he gave his son as a sacrifice for the remission of our sins. In John 1, I'll just read this for the sake of time. It says that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And if you jump down to verse 14, it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, what I love about this is that we learned on, on Sunday that, that here it is, the, 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 the eternal word, the eternal Son, took on flesh, failed himself of his divinity, and became as a man, and became as one of us, full of the Holy Spirit. And the things that we see that he was able to do, according to the scriptures, were only accomplished by the Holy Spirit, working through a man. It's by the Holy Spirit, working through just like we are, working through a man. And so we see God's design for living. God's design for living is that we would empty ourselves, that we would empty ourselves of our lust, of our ambition, that we would empty ourselves and that we would be filled, that we would be filled with His Spirit, that we would be filled with His purpose, that we would be filled with a desire to do His will. You know, we talk about this word, dwell, and I've, I've, I've talked about it on several occasions. I don't want to take it for granted that, that everyone, um, you know, knows the, the reference that I'm making when I'm talking about this word, dwell. So I just want to give it to you. It's in Genesis 35. If you go to Genesis 35, and, and it's, it's really in verse 1, 
And this is God, he's talking to, to Jacob. And it says, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make thee an altar unto God, that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of thy brother. And so here God is, God is telling Jacob, Go to the place where you saw me last. Go to the place where you heard from me. Because if you're in the place where you can hear from me, then I can do in you what needs to be done. Then I can, I can make your life a life that's worth living. I can make your life a life that's worth living. You know, all of us, at some point, you have to make the decision to dwell. You have to make the decision to stop your travels, to stop your roaming. You have to make the decision to be satisfied. Now, some people, they make that decision, this is what I'm just going to settle for. But God is saying, make the decision in faith to dwell. I've had, I had so many of my, my classmates, when I, when, I, when I made the decision that, that um, you know, although there were opportunities in different parts of the, of the country, that, I was gonna, that God was going to make me in this city. They said, well, you're just afraid. You, you, you're afraid to leave what you know. And I said, you, you, just you must not know who I am. I left what I know. I left everyone that I know. And all I know is God. And all I know is God. So listen, we're, we're telling you that the decision to, well, is not a decision for those that are fearful. Why is that? Because in the land where you dwell, the enemy is there. If you read about Jacob's life, if you read about Abraham's life, they were in the land of promise, but they were in that land with enemies. They were in that land with economic hardships. They were in that land when, they were, when there was famine and when there was want. But the decision was made to dwell. And as they dwelled, you know, sometimes they went away, but they had to come back. Whenever they went away, they took a detour and found themselves off track and found themselves bearing scars and marks that impacted their family for generations to come. But when they came back and they dwelled, it was so powerful that, that Joseph said that, that, that after I'm dead, I want you to take my bones back to the land. Take my bones back to that land of promise. Because I may not be alive, but I know that we're going to get there. That's how important it was to dwell. When you consider the word of God, you know, for me, it has to, it, it became more valuable and precious than anything. I, I, I considered what God was saying to me, what God was doing in my life, more important than anything. Now, just, just real quickly, going back to this word dwell, you know, I, I found, you know, men and women that, that, have, that have had, you know, multiple marriages. I found people that have moved all over the country for their careers. I found people that, that have been chasing, it seems like, chasing, chasing, chasing after something. And their life was always transitory. It was always a surface existence. 
And at some point they said, well, you know what? I'm going to stop my roaming. I'm going to stop my traveling. And I'm going to dwell in this place. And I don't know if you know anything about, about a, a plant or a tree, but, but a tree that's potted will only grow so tall. A tree that's potted will only grow so high. But you put that same tree in good ground. You put that same tree in good ground. And it will grow beyond bounds. So it's when, it's when you're settled. It's when you're rooted. And, and I always wondered, well, how did they know? How did they know that that person was the one that they, that they were going to stay with? How did they know that that place or that job was the place that they were going to be? And you know what it is? It's, it's not. It's not that it was that person. It's not that it was that job. It's not that it was that place. It is that they decided. This is where I'll be. This is where I'll be. This is where I will make my stand. This is where I'll make my life. This is where I will make my living. And if my living is anything, if my living is anything, it's unto God. It is unto God. So listen, your, your, your life has to be more, it has to be more precious than, than a paycheck. It has to be more, more precious than a degree. You know what? I'm not saying you can't go to Boston University or to Stanford and study. But you know what? There are people that go to Boston University and Stanford and they live in Austin. There are people that travel all around the world and they do whatever they need to do all around the world that are making an impact everywhere in the world that live here. Study it out. Search it out if you don't believe me. Search it out if you don't believe me. There are people that are making an impact all around the world that live here. And if you're like, well, Brother Everhart, I just don't think that's possible. But maybe God is calling you to be that person that does it. Maybe God is calling you to be that person that does it. Listen, we talked on Sunday about the infrastructure. The infrastructure is relative to your position. The infrastructure cannot help you if you will not choose to dwell. It's not, it's not a long-distance relationship. The needs are met here. The impact that you will make, the lives that you will change are here. The people that are around you this evening, the people that you see Sunday after Sunday, we, these are the people that you are living your life with. These are the people that your grandchildren will talk about because they made a difference in their lives. See, maybe you didn't understand me. These are, these are the people that your granddaughter will say, well, you know, I didn't really get to know Grandpa that well because he went on when I was young. But Deacon so-and-so or Brother so-and-so, he knew Grandpa. And he would talk about him all the time. And I could see, based on how he lived, how Grandpa really was. We're talking about dwell. Listen, it has to be more, more precious. More precious than any, any material gains. Go to Psalm 19. I'm just going to read it. 
Psalm 19, verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean. Enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired. More to be desired. Are they than gold? Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. You, you know, there's just some things you can't, you can't play with. There's some things you just can't take for granted. You know, I know, I know you hear these stories about people that, that, that go and they're gone for a year, they're gone for two years, they're gone for five years, and they come back and they're walking with open arms. But listen, there's some things you just don't play with. Tempt not the Lord your God. Tempt not the Lord your God. Who is to say that when if, if as you remove yourself, that that's not when you get caught up? It's not guaranteed. The, re, the return is not guaranteed. I know. I know. We read about the prodigal, about the lost son. I know we read about reconciliation. In scripture, but just know that reconciliation is not guaranteed. And it's like I said on Sunday, you know, family is family. Family is family. You'll, you'll, you'll still be saved. You'll st- still have an eternal home. But what God could have done through you, what God could have done through you, it, it, it'll make you weep when you get to heaven. And only the Lord will be able to wipe away those tears. You'll say, Lord, I, I, I've done these things. And then he'll say, but this is what I wanted to do through you. This is the impact that you could have made. And all you'll be able to do is weep. You'll be like, I know it was in me because I know who you are. I know it was in me because I know who you are. And I know that if, if you're with me, that none of these things would have been impossible. And you'll just weep, but then only God will be able to take away those tears. Listen, the Lord, he gives us a, he gave Moses a foreshadowing. He gave Moses a foreshadowing of the sacrifice for the redemption of mankind. Since we're in the Old Testament, just go over to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 1, we'll just start at verse 1. It says, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, ye shall bring an offering of the cattle, even of the, of the herd and of the flock. 
And if his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering. And it shall be accepted unto him to make atonement for him. Now we know that Jesus Christ was the lamb that was offered for the sacrifice, the, 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 the everlasting sacrifice. But this burnt offering, what I love about it, it it's, it's the first type of sacrifice that's described in Leviticus. You know, don't, 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 don't miss the importance of that. The first, the first type of sacrifice. If you don't get any other sacrifice right, understand this sacrifice of the burnt offering. And it was the most costly because the entire sacrifice was consumed. Everything was consumed. I'm talking about God's design for your life. It was the most costly because everything was consumed. The entire carcass of the animal was burned on the altar. But listen, it was also the most common sacrifice. Yes, it was the most costly, but it was also the most, it was the most common. The man would place his hand on the head of the burnt offering. And there was a point of identification between the worshiper and the sacrificial offering. The man would place his, his hand on the burnt offering. He says, I, I, I identify that this, this, this sacrifice didn't do, it didn't do wrong. It's, it's clean. It, it was brought up and cared for. It is without blemish and without spot. But I, I have deficiencies. I have deficiencies. So he places his hand on the sacrifice as a point of identification. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it says, you know, Lord, we know that there was no sin in you. There was no sin found in you. But Lord, we accept you into our lives to be Lord of our lives. That our sins will be covered by your blood. Some of us, we forget that it's, it's, it's the burnt offering. Meaning that, when, that this sacrifice requires that everything be consumed. That everything be consumed. You know, that, that, that animal didn't get up off of that altar and go and do what it wanted to do after that. No, everything was consumed. It, the whole life was wrapped up in that offering. So just know that your life is for the Lord's use. Your life is for the Lord's use. There should be no part of your living that does not reflect kingdom purpose. Go to Matthew chapter 16.
Listen, I know you guys thought I was going to talk about 401ks and, and 403bs. How to negotiate your salary. How to, how to dress for success in order to avoid distractions in your career. You know what? There, there would not be an issue with your savings. There would not be an issue with your salary. There would not be an issue with, with your conduct on the job if you just remembered that everything you do is to reflect back on the kingdom of God. You wouldn't waste your money like you waste it. You students wouldn't waste your time not going to classes, barely studying, trying to cram at the last minute if you knew that everything that you did was to reflect back on the kingdom of God. You wouldn't waste your time on those thug he-heathens and those thug she-heathens. If you were like, you know what? I'm already burned up. I'm already consumed. I can't burn with lust for you because I'm already consumed by the Spirit of God. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be put in a position of compromise, of bargaining, of saying, well, if I, if I do, I'll do this if I can get a little bit of that. Because you'll say, you know what? You want me to do what? My God supplies all my needs according to His riches. Oh, there will be no, there will be no negotiations. We don't negotiate with terrorists. My daughter knows the book that I like to read. We don't, we don't split the difference. We're not, we're not going to meet halfway. It's God's way. It's not your way. It's not my way. It's, how does this reflect back onto the kingdom of God? In every decision that you make, it says, do I want to do this project? Do I want to take this job? Do I want to study these, this course of study? How does it reflect back on the kingdom of God? Can God be glorified in this? Matthew. Chapter 16. It says, verse 25, For whoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever, whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen, some of us are, giving, are, are exchanging titles for our soul. Shiny objects for our soul. What does a man profit if he gain all material things and his children don't even know him? You know what? It's, it's important that my grandchildren know me. It's, it's, it's vitally important that my grandchildren know who I am. That, that orders so many things in my life. 
You think differently about the dishes in the sink when you say, I want my grandchildren to know me. It's not, it's not an issue. You think, you think differently about your domestic concerns when you say, I want my grandchildren to know who I am and to know what I believe. You think differently before you send off that text message or that instant message or before you make those mandates and you pop off emotionally when you say, I want my grandchildren to know who I am and what I stand for. There should be no part of your life that does not reflect kingdom purpose. This is my walking away point. You must remember that the Lord, He is our God. The one that is the ruler and reigns over all things, the one that has all things in His control, the mighty God that spoke the stars into existence. That is the author of times and seasons. The Lord. He is our God. Go to Deuteronomy. Back to the Old Testament. Very familiar passage of scripture. Chapter 8. And this is talking about when, when you get to your place of comfort. And too often we read it as, 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 as that, we, as, you know, these are instructions for when you get to the, your place of comfort. But I want you to read it as when you get to the point, to the fork in the road, when you need to make a decision. When there is a time for change, change will come. Change will come to you personally. When, when there is a time for change, and it's up to you to make the decision, it says, re remember all that the Lord has brought you from. All the ways he made. When you didn't know And he made it possible. When you look back and you said, I should have fallen. But he held you. He held you up. Verse 16 says, Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove to thee to do thee good at thy latter end. The Lord is not going to fall short in being good to you. He's, not, he's never going to fall short in being faithful. What I love about this ministry is that in our, in our most difficult times, in, in the hardest times of our lives, 
One thing that, that if, you, if you hear from a member of this church, what they'll tell you, they'll say God is faithful. When you're going through your lowest points, and you have no idea how to make it to the next. If you hear from a member of this ministry, listen, this is, this is, this is why it's so important to dwell. This is why it's so important to dwell. Dwell where the voice of the Lord is. Because somebody else will tell you to self-medicate. Somebody else will tell you to vacate. Somebody else will tell you to meditate. The members of this church, they'll tell you the Lord, God is faithful. God is faithful. And therein is our strength, that the Lord, our God, he is our God. The Lord, he is our God. And thou say in our heart, verse 17, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he might establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. What I love is that the power to get wealth is given to you. You don't have to hustle for it. You don't have to scramble for it. The power, it's given to you. It's a gift. It's not given to you for your own enjoyment, to satisfy your own lust. But it's given to you so that the Lord's purpose to his people can be accomplished through you. What God has given you, he's given to you so that his purpose for his people can be accomplished through you. True wealth is that which draws men into a closer relationship with their Savior. True wealth is that which points the way and says Jesus Christ is able to save you from your sins. So you have to remember that the Lord, he is our God. And again, we're just talking about God's design for living. What is God's design for my life? He wants you to lose your life. He wants you to lose your life and to find yourself in him. He wants you to lose your life and to find yourself in him. Now, listen, we're going to talk about how that balances out, because some people will be like, well, great, I'm going to lose my life. I don't need to do anything but sit around and read the Bible. We'll talk about that. Or great, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm being productive. My house is taken care of. You know, I'm doing what God has called me to do. We're going to talk about that. But just remember that in this time of change, that we have to avoid distractions and stay focused. Not, not just because it's a good thing to do. It's because if we don't, 
we're going to find ourselves that we've, we've missed. We've missed what God is saying. We'll have to backtrack and go through side streets to get, just to get back to where God wants us. We don't want to be the ones that, that when we see the Father, that He says, you did okay, instead of well done. We don't, we, we don't, we don't want a, a, a lukewarm welcoming. We want the Lord to say, my good and faithful, faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water in Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.